This morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, and if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 9. If you still have your Bibles and you want to look at your Bibles, go ahead and do that. We're looking at screens all the time. <clears throat> in fact, my notes are on a screen. So I'm looking at a screen right now. What, am I, what are you going to do? It's, it's the age in which we live, isn't it? Uh, but uh, I, want to, I want to just share with you a message. I have been, I don't know how many times I've read this passage of Scripture, and I have been encouraged by it every single time. Uh, and it's this experience, and I've been encouraged by, uh, one of the things that I want to, to just tell you when I was thinking about this is just, just kind of going over the notes and contemplating on, on all of this last night. And one of the things I began to think about as it relates to the Bible itself, the Word of God itself, is that it doesn't hide the humanity that we find in Scripture. It doesn't try to gloss over anybody's struggles. Um, in fact, this morning, part of the, the, the Bible reading on the, the reading plan that I'm on, it, it, it pulled out, I think it was Psalm 50, uh, 58, 58, and I thought, man, that's a, that's a rough psalm. I mean, the psalmist was just going through, you want to talk going through some real struggles, and as it related to other people and the evil people in the world, and it was just this heavy psalm. I'm like, please, Lord, i got to get to, get me to Psalm 59 and, and 60 quickly, but th there's no glossing, there's no sugarcoating of the humanity that you find in Scripture. You and, and this is, in my opinion, what makes the Bible so much different than any other, any other book uh, in the world, any other religious book or book otherwise. It does not seek to change anything about the way humanity encountered their problems. And in fact, it doesn't even seek to change how people encountered Jesus or how Jesus reacted to them. So Mark chapter 9, and I, I want to start reading at verse 14, and we're going to go down through to verse 29. Uh, Mark chapter 14, and going down through to verse 29, I'll be reading from the NIV. For those of you with the older version of the NIV, some things will be slightly different, but this is what it is. The Bible says this, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, that is the disciples, and, and just to give you a little background, uh, let's just stop for a second, just so you understand who them are. Them is three disciples who went up with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had just come back and come down. And those disciples went to the, the rest of the group that didn't go with Jesus. Actually, it was two disciples went that, that didn't go with Jesus. And they all joined together. And now the scribes, the Bible says, are arguing with them. Listen to what it says. They saw a large crowd around them, the teachers of the law, arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, 
How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When, they, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. If you have the King James or the New King James, it'll say prayer and fasting. That's okay. I'm not worried too much about the the dropping of a word on that one. In fact, it would seem that the best manuscripts point to simply prayer, and that really is the emphasis and the focus of this particular thing. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But faith and unbelief often collide in our hearts, and the title of this message is The Collision of Faith and Unbelief. So many of us, we struggle with this, and I struggle with it, from time to time as well. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't know how many times I have read this guy and I'm like, that, <laughs> that, my friend, is exactly how I feel, you know? And, and I know we, we preachers, we pastors are supposed to be above the unbelief part of things, right? That's, that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people somehow think that pastors and preachers watch, walk on this cloud of, you know, of faith all day, every day, no matter what you're going through. I've got, I'm, I'm in victorious faith. You know, from time to time, bless you, from time to time, we struggle with this very thing. And it is a collision that this man felt in this, this experience that he's had. And, and there is this sense of hope. Now, remember earlier uh, in the, the, the early career of the disciples, Jesus at one point sent 72 of them, the 12 plus more, sent them out into towns and villages, and he gave them all power and authority to cast out demons and to do that. Now, this is after that took place. What is taking place here in Mark chapter 9 is well after that time period, but maybe, maybe you know, the word got around, hey, just, just bring them to the disciples. And the disciples thought, sure, we did it once before, let's do it again. But they didn't quite connect the way it happened and how it's supposed to happen. And so they were powerless to be able to do anything in this situation. You see, faith and unbelief are sometimes like two rivers that meet and create this tumultuous current, this 
this coming together, there are certain focal points. I, I believe it's around the southern tip of, of, of South Africa. They call it Cape Horn, where the oceans come together and they meet together. And it is just this terrible, terrible place for, uh, for, for, for sailing and for things, you know, boats to go through. And it's just this unbelievable tumultuous seas and it never stops and and it's like that in our hearts from time to time where we think we're going to be swept away by fears and frustrations that often are created by the presence of unbelief you might ask why is it that unbelief always seems to be the most real in our hearts and sometimes that is the case and I think the only answer I know to give in this moment is that unbelief is often fueled by our everyday earthly physical experiences that are more real to us than the presence of a powerful Savior who is available to us, but we don't avail ourselves of Him. Sometimes we don't realize He is right there. As, as, as our friend Gordon Jensen once wrote many years ago, he's as close as the mention of his name. We refuse to mention his name, but instead we mention the name of our problem more than anything else. The man that we are going to meet in this passage, we've already talked about him just a little bit. He is that man who had the two currents flowing. And when I read his statement to Jesus, I believe but help my unbelief, I just thought, man, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. From time to time, we have that desire to believe. We have that desire to have faith. But, oh, unbelief just comes rushing in, and, and we have to do what this man eventually did, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But through, there are some expressions that this man, that we see in this passage and I want to tell you that in the middle of all of that, the man we are going to meet here, and we're going to talk about a little bit, he had these, as he had these two currents flowing, he felt that he had some faith, just not enough. You might be that person today. You got some faith, just not enough. He knew the results of faith and results of unbelief. He did the only thing a person could do when it's realized that you've got some faith, but not enough. And that is... He brought his trouble to the Savior. Through three expressions from this man, we see how faith and unbelief can sometimes run together. The first expression is this, his disappointment. His disappointment, he was fueled, his disappointment was fueled by two things. First, disappointing disciples. Jump down to verse 17 and 18. Let's, let's just take a look at that again. The Bible says a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes, throws him into the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive him out the spirit, but they could not. They couldn't. I brought this man who was in need to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything about it. So here now he is experiencing disappointment because he's bringing his son to somebody who should be able to help, and they couldn't. I wonder how many of us from time to time are in the same position as the disciples. Somebody's in need. 
But maybe that particular day we woke up, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Or maybe that day we are going through our own struggles and our own difficulties and we're not tapped into the very thing, the two things that Jesus is going to talk about here that's vital and important for every disciple of Jesus to be able to have power to impact the world that we live in, but we aren't tapped into it. But this man brings, he brings his, his troubles and he, he brings them to the disciples. And the disciples, by this time, should be learning some important things. We find also they're a little bit thick-headed until Jesus rises from the dead. So this is going to kind of continue for a while. But nonetheless, there should have been some kind of a power in their lives that they recognized was not their own. He was disappointed. He was disappointed because they were powerless to be able to help him and his son. They couldn't do anything for him even though they had a desire to help. They couldn't. Why? Because they didn't have what Jesus has been teaching them. They hadn't gotten through their hearts, their minds, and their understanding as of yet. They hadn't realized that everything that we do is by faith in him, not by our own strength and our own abilities. So his disappointment, that first expression, was an expression of disappointment. I brought my son to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. Not only that, he's disappointed with disputes. All kinds of disputing going on. They're arguing. Now, I, I, Jesus asks the question, what are you arguing about? We never actually find out, really, truly. It, it doesn't address the specific argument. Other than the man speaks up saying, I brought my son. Now, it was between the teachers of the law who were always out to try to get Jesus and his disciples and the disciples. Maybe the teachers of the law were sitting there saying, I thought you guys were supposed to be a little more powerful than that. What's going on? How come you aren't? What's wrong with you? I thought you had power. Where's the power? You know, the mocking and all of that that goes on. And they're arguing. They're sitting there arguing. This young, this man has a son who is in need and the church is disputing. It's not the church. The, the religious crowd is disputing with the disciples, the future church, and they're sitting there having an argument. God didn't call us to argue, folks, with the world. He didn't call us to do that. He called us to have power. The question is, how are we going to do that? We'll see that in a bit. He called us to have the power to be able to bring help and hope to somebody's life. He has these, this disputing is going on and the man is, had, had shown up with faith and though, he, you know, some, some very real and disappointing circumstances had happened in his life and still happening, his faith had begun to turn into unbelief. Why? Because the disciples couldn't do anything and now he sees them fighting with, with the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day. So what kind of help is that? I want to tell you more than anything else, what we need in our lives as believers is we need to be tapped into the presence of God so that we have the power to be able to bring life to somebody else, even when we are down. And you know what? Sometimes I think God wants to teach us that it's the times when we're down that he can use us the best. 
You can meet somebody at the point of their need because you might be right there with them. But you can reach up if you know what Jesus is teaching here and what he's going to say and what it is that he, he wants to connect together for his disciples and for every disciple that would come after that. You don't have to be an individual who would look at somebody and say, you know what, I, I don't have anything to tell you today. Or you just turn and walk away and you never, ever open up to them. God has given us a great responsibility of, as believers to open up our hearts to bring hope to somebody's life. There was a second expression. It goes beyond disappointment, and it goes to desperation. It was made evident by two things. Verse 20 indicates that his son's condition worsened right there and then. A worsened condition. His expression of unbelief, his, his feeling of unbelief was there's now desperation in verse 20. The Bible says, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Now, I realize that with modern science and modern medicine, everybody just pegs this as an epileptic seizure. It looks very much like that. And you could say that. I don't care what you say. The Bible says here that it was a spirit that drove him to this situation. It wasn't necessarily, and it happened from the time he was a child. So the very, could have, the very well could have been something going on in, in terms of medically speaking. The bottom line is he needed deliverance. I don't care what you call it. Yes, I believe it was a spirit. And as soon as the spirit saw Jesus, it reacted and tried to damage this boy even more. So, so I believe there was a spiritual aspect of this, the supernatural aspect of this that medical science would like to try to just brush to one side. But the bottom line is, is now he's in a worsened condition and now his desperation is made evident not only by a worsened condition, but by his weakened cry. Look at verse 22. And the end of verse 22, he says this, but if you can do anything. So the question is this, question is this. How did this man hear to bring his son to the disciples and to Jesus? He had to have heard a report that Jesus and his disciples have the power to bring deliverance. Now, all of a sudden, after having taken whatever trip, whatever, whatever journey to Jesus he had taken to bring that boy to him for healing, now he's like, if you can Please have pity and bring healing. All of a sudden now, this is a voice of weakness that's crying out. <laughs> Listen, this is wonderful because I got to tell you this. There is no voice of weakness that God does not hear. There is absolutely no weakened cry. Maybe you've cried so much that you have a weakened cry now. Maybe it is that unbelief is just battering you and beating you in the heart and somehow you just can't seem to handle it and make it and your cry is like that little weakened, please help me. He hears it. Oh, he hears it. He hears it. He knows what's going on. That weakened cry, he had shown up believing something was going to happen, and now he has been reduced to, if you can. And this, he's not saying to the disciples. He's saying it to Jesus. 
Now, for those of you who would say, well, you know what, that really shows a lack of faith. Well, Jesus is going to address a lack of faith. He's going to talk about it. And in fact, I believe that when Jesus speaks about the lack of faith in this passage of Scripture, he's not talking to the man. He's talking to the disciples. Now, maybe the man needs to hear this, and he's going to. It's, it's open for all, you know. Jesus is going to say it out loud. So, as we say, if the shoe fits, you wear it, right? So, Jesus is actually going to do that, and he's going to say these things. He says this in verse, um, excuse me, in where did it go? He says, you, uh, verse 19, he says, you unbelieving generation." How long shall I put up with you? How long shall I or how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then he says this in verse 23. He says these words. If you can. Now, the NIV, go ahead and it's up on the screen, right? Verse 23. The NIV translates it where it's if you can, and then a question. And then he continues with the rest of the sentence. The other King James, and I don't know if anybody does, or the new King James, it seems to indicate that if you can, it actually translates it a little bit differently and says, if you can believe. So I'm not sure that Jesus was almost, it almost sounds like if you, you word it this way, it almost sounds like Jesus is taking offense. Like, if you can, what, me? Of course I can. Well, we know that he can. I, I, don't, I don't know about these translators. They have a tough job. I, I, I have grown, as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate what translators have to do coming from the original language the, the word of God was written in into our, our language. If you know a second language, trust me, you also know it can be difficult to translate an idiom or something from your first language into English. It's difficult to do. So I'm not knocking anybody here. I am just simply saying this. I want you to know that the third expression comes out in his desire. And Jesus is actually in this moment, he is actually addressing this situation. He says this, Everything, this is the important thing to get in verse 23. Everything is possible for the one who believes. So faith has to enter into your situation. And as Jesus is saying this out loud, he is saying it not just for this man, but for his disciples who should have had the faith to be able to reach out and cast the demon out of that boy. They should have been able to have an impact in the world and in the moment in which they were called upon to do something great for the kingdom of God, but they lacked faith as well. The Bible says this, that everything is by faith from first to last. There is nowhere in between that we do anything different than that. But the third expression for it was his desire for two things, for healing for his son in verse 22. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. He wanted healing, but not only that, he wanted hope. His desire came through in a very small smattering of hope, just the tiniest bit of hope. The one thing the devil wants to drive out of your heart and your mind is hope. 
If he can get you to eliminate that possibility in your life, then you will grow desperate and desperate and you will grow despairing and despairing. I want to tell you that there is hope and there is hope in Jesus. Your hope isn't in me. Your hope isn't in the person around you. Your hope is only in one person and one person alone and it is Jesus Christ. Your hope. Don't let the devil rob you of hope. The Bible shows us that we have hope, which is not an, a fatalistic kind of approach. That's how the world, well, I hope this is going to happen. That's, that's a, that, you don't know that it is. No, the kind of hope that we find in Scripture is an expectation. It is literally defined as a confident expectation of something. That's a whole lot different than the way we, we say it. Well, I hope I'm going to go for ice cream later. <laughs> no, this is... This is, I'm hoping. It's happening. I, I've got hope. I don't know when, but I'm hoping. And I, that hope is not in anything else. It's in Jesus. It's in what he is able to do and how he is able to come into this situation. The Bible says this in verse 24. His expression of hope says this. I do believe. I do. But help me overcome my unbelief. He recognized that within his heart there were two tumultuous rivers that were clashing together. And the question is, how are we going to be able to overcome and win the battle? How are you going to be able to have faith in your situation? What are you going to do? How are we going to win the battle? You see, earlier in the day he had faith, but that faith was damaged. Some people allow their circumstances to damage their faith. They allow their, their current situations to make it seem like faith doesn't work, that faith is not important. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we have to have faith at every point in our lives for every situation, no matter what we're dealing with or going through, faith is absolutely vital you bring your troubles to Jesus and have faith that he will take care of them here's the problem many times when we do that how many of you have a microwave in your house in your apartment we all do right we love microwaves when a microwave entered my my world I just was like this is just so awesome you know you heat up and how many of you now get impatient at the one minute that you have to wait for that thing to warm up right we're looking for a faster zap now. We're just looking for something quicker. The problem is, is that many times when we come in faith to the Lord, we have a time frame on God. And we say, God, I'm waiting for that little ding. Lord, come on, make it happen soon, sooner rather than later. And we've got God all wrapped up in our little timetable. And God says, no, that doesn't work quite that way. You want to have faith in me? You trust me all the way. You trust me not only for me to deliver, but trust me on what I know is the right time to deliver. Sometimes we, we, we're just like rushing ahead and we're, we're just, we think, God, you, you're just not moving swiftly enough for us. Trust me, God is moving as swift as he deems best in his wisdom to move in your life. Here's the final connector in all of this, and that is this. Verse 28 and 29, the Bible says this. I love these verses. 
because it shows us the wonderful connection between faith and what we must do to have faith. The Bible says this. After, the, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out, or this kind can, only, can come out only by prayer. Right there, Jesus is letting us know as the disciples asked why they had no power to be able to do anything, the most powerful weapon we have against unbelief, the most powerful resource at our disposal for having faith is prayer. So prayer and faith go hand in hand. Don't expect that you're going to have overcoming, overpowering faith if you do not pray. If somehow you just, and, and I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that says, oh God, fix everything, please. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that says, God, I'm coming to you for you. Seek first, Jesus said, these things and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. You need to seek him for him. Find out who he is. Get to know him. Say, God, I'm coming to you for you. So that then when that moment of, of trial and temptation comes or that moment comes where you need to be able to bring life to somebody else, you have the faith to be able to do it. But faith and prayer go hand in hand. You can't, it's not possible to have faith without prayer. It is possible to pray, I believe, and then faith grows as we pray, as we call upon the name of the Lord. He says, this kind can only come out by prayer. The most powerful weapon that we have as believers is prayer. The apparent frustration of Jesus with his disciples, lack of faith, all a result of the lack of prayer on their part. It was, they had done it before, but there's no indication that they prayed before they tried to help bring deliverance to this boy. Instead, they sort of just said, well, we did this once before. Let's try the same words again. Let's reduce this to a formula. It's not a formula. Faith and prayer go hand in hand. And I want to tell you, they could have accomplished more had they learned that faith is fueled by prayer. You and I can accomplish more for the kingdom of God when we understand that faith is fueled by prayer. You can't Go into a situation believing that somehow you're just going to have faith if you're ignoring the Lord. Oh, God, I'm going I'm to believe you. Well, believe him all you want, but if you're not praying, how in the world can you have faith? I want to tell you we need to believe the Lord and leave it in his hands. We need to pray and say, God, you're in control. I, 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 some of the people who have impacted my life over the years are numerous. I, I've had the, I had the privilege of growing up in a pastor's home, and we always had, you know, growing up in rural northern Maine, uh, there was no local hotel that when a guest evangelist came in, you dropped them in that hotel and then, you know, picked them up for dinner or whatever. You dropped them in your house, and they stayed, and I stayed on the couch, and they stayed in my room, or they, you know, they slept in another room, and we all shuffled, you know, and the, the family, and, and but I, I, I've had the privilege of being around a few people 
in my life, but one who had a great impact, one of them who had a great impact on my life besides my own father was a man by the name of Brother David McIntyre. And Brother McIntyre was, he's probably, he was about four inches shorter than I was, but he was his, he, this guy was as tough as nails, but he was a preacher who had faith. And he operated, he and his wife operated a Bible camp still in existence up there. They've both gone to be with the Lord. In fact, the entire family is with the Lord at this point, both their daughters and both of them. They serve the Lord faithfully. I'll never, remember, never forget one day Brother Mac and I were talking, and I had just fresh out of Bible college. I think I was there for, you know, for something, speaking maybe at the camp. I don't recall. But I remember him saying, you know, when I, when I pray, he goes, I, I just, he goes, I, I, don't, I don't sit and try to, you know, work things up and, he said, I, I'm going through a struggle. I'm going through a problem. He goes, I just say, Lord, you know what I'm going through right now? I need you to come down, and I need you to help it. I need you to step in and do something. And he said, and I leave it. He said, I just believe that the Lord is going to do it. And I'll tell you, I've known this man. I knew this man from the time I was a small boy all through my life. He was a, he was a man of faith. And I knew that when he spoke that and said that, that was absolutely right. And he saw miracles. He saw God do wonderful things in and through his life as, as, a, as a minister, as a pastor, as an evangelist, as whatever it was that God had him doing in the moment. Why? Simply because you have faith. And it's not this thing where we have to just somehow work it all up. You don't have to do that with God. Just say, Lord, you know what I need today. I need your help. I needed to touch me. I need you to help me through the struggles of my life in this moment. I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust in you. And I want to tell you, when you have that kind of prayer and you have that kind of faith in your life, I want you to know that things will begin to happen. How quickly? Don't even ask. Simply say, yes, Lord, whatever your plan, whatever your will is. And when that torrent comes, that tumultuous unbelief, it starts to rush in and try to do that. I want to tell you, get do the very thing that this man did. He brought his problem to Jesus. He didn't mess around with the disciples. He just went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. So often we pick up the phone or we text somebody, I'm going through struggles, help me. And, you know, we somehow do that. Rather than take it to Jesus, just take it to him. Let him work it out. He will work it out for you. If you will take your problems to him, if you will take it to the Lord in prayer, he will meet your need no matter what the situation. Let's stand to our feet right now. And I want you to give God all the praise and the glory. If you came into this building today with a need in your life and you need the Lord to touch you, lift up your hand right now. Right now, say, Lord, I'm reaching out to you. I am calling upon your name right now. I want you to call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus, you will step in today. We thank you today, Lord. Hallelujah. We magnify your name. God, you're able, you're able, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray in the name of almighty God right now for your, your people, oh God. Your precious people, I pray. Touch them today. Strengthen them and help them, oh God. I ask in the name of Jesus that your hand of mercy would be upon them, that you would minister strength to their lives, that you would give them the power that they need to overcome. I pray, Lord, in this moment today that you would give them faith, 
that goes beyond, oh Lord, that moment, that feeling of unbelief, that feeling of negative things that come in. God, I pray that you would help them right now. We come to you in prayer asking you to help our unbelief and Lord, to help us to overcome it. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you would give us a hungering and a thirsting after you, oh God, that we would seek you with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind so that faith will operate in our lives on a daily basis. God, I thank you today. There is nothing and there is no one like you. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus for every individual in this place that you would give strength to their hearts and their minds that no matter what they are going through, that, Lord, you are still on the throne of their lives, that you are the Lord of their lives and you're going to help them today. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that you didn't cast this man away because somehow he didn't have enough faith, but instead you met the faith that he had, and Lord, you helped him to overcome his unbelief. I pray that you would help us to know that that's exactly what you'll do for us, Lord, that you will help us, oh God. There are moments where we're weak. There are moments where we struggle. There are times in our lives where we don't quite know what to do, but God, we know this. We know that you are able no matter what we are going through. And Father, I pray that you would teach us, teach us, remind us again and again of how vital it is that we pray so that faith will be renewed each and every day. Father, I pray for your people as they go today and as they go to their jobs tomorrow, whatever that looks like, whatever they have to deal with in life, whatever they're going through, God, I pray that they would believe in you that they would have faith no matter what we see, oh God. Oh my God, we thank you today that everything is by faith from first to last. So Lord, help your people today. And God, we're going to give you all the glory in the wonderful and the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.